This is a podcast from thebuglepodcast.com. The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 214 of The Bugle, the podcast that has now been running longer than Jesus and the Disciples with the top-selling 13-piece brass band in the Middle East region. There, a little bit of levity, that should help the, uh, help the area. Uh, I'm Andy Zaltzman in the slightly less hotly disputed territory of London, promised to Britain by God in the Bible, if you read it backwards in a Liverpudlian accent, and in New York City, lent to, to the Americans by Britain in the Bible. The man who would undoubtedly have been described by Neville Chamberlain as more trustworthy than Hitler, it's the Shirley Bassey of showbiz, <laughs> John Oliver. Hello, Andy. Hello, Buglers. And yes, as we speak, Andy, it seems like the Middle East is about to come up with another reason why President Obama may start to regret winning the election last (laughs) week. Because following rockets launched from the Gaza Strip into Tel Aviv, it seems like the area is once more doing what they do best, Andy. Dancing into disaster, waltzing into war, congaing into chaos, magarainering their way into mayhem. What they might like to do, Andy, is just look down at their wrists, which uh, hopefully should have some wristbands around them that I sent over recently <laughs> with the letters CTFD on them, standing for <laughs> Calm the F*** Down. And hopefully they'll pause for thought and heed those letters before doing anything stupid. I think actually the Bugle should form a charity, Andy, and airdrop wristbands on trouble spots around the world. CTFD and GTFU bracelets. <laughs> Calm the F*** Down and grow the F*** Up. There is... Almost no global flashpoint that could not be seriously helped by those sentiments. Well, we, I mean, we suggested in an Edinburgh show eight years ago now, John, that exactly. there should just be an aeroplane flying around the Middle East with mm-hmm. a giant banner the whole time saying, grow up. And if yep. only they'd put that into practice now, John, it'd be a much calmer place today. They could have at least tried. As always, a section of the Bugler's going straight in the bin. This week, an everyday fitness section. How to get fitter and stay in shape. Just doing everyday activities. Uh, number one, keep your tea, coffee, milk and sugar in separate rooms and where possible on separate floors in your house. Necessitating brisk shuttle runs whenever you want a hot drink. Benefits, medium twitch scuttle muscles and your gluteates. Also, when brushing your teeth, place your toothbrush facing downwards in a vice, then lie on the floor beneath it, spread toothpaste <laughs> directly onto your teeth and raise your head upwards to the waiting brush before waggling your head vigorously from side to side like a Serbian warlord denying something in The Hague. <laughs> That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I, I think that might be the single stupidest thing I've ever heard. This will benefit both your core abdominables and your jugular <laughs> flexoids. And also when uh, waiting for your change in a newspaper shop, stand as far back from the till as possible so you have to wait for your change, stretching your arm out and standing on tiptoes. This will benefit your quadriplets, your inner pectavials and your dorsal rambolettes. And we also advise that you combine this with swearobics, as advised yes. in Google 196. <laughs> That section in the bin. Oh. Top story this week a few bad men. Resignation roundup. And uh, this week, a hot new trend burst onto the scene, Andy, <laughs> resigning in disgrace. <laughs> Anyone who was anyone was doing it. Both uh, General Petraeus and the Director General of the BBC stepped down with not just clouds, but huge raging typhoons over their heads. At first, General David Petraeus, the uh, military hero more heavily decorated than a six-year-old's birthday cake, (laughs) resigned as head of the CIA after it emerged that he'd had an affair with his biographer. And this was something of a shock 
here in the US, Andy, as not only is David Petraeus something of a national hero, but he's notoriously formal and disciplined. The words David Petraeus and sex scandal had, <laughs> until this week, seemed to go together as naturally as the words Gandhi and street brawl. <laughs> uh, the, the affair was uncovered during an FBI investigation into threatening emails. What a TV show that would have been. <laughs> Mahatma Gandhi's street brawl. Can he train up a team of pacifists Ross to Kemp on Gandhi. violent hoodlums on the streets of India? You want some? Do you want some? Uh, the affair was uncovered during a, an FBI investigation into some threatening emails sent by Petraeus' biographer slash mistress uh, to Jill Kelly, a so-called social liaison for the military. Uh, seemingly, his mistress felt threatened by this other lady and decided to send her harassing messages, intentionally telling her to uh, back off my man. Uh, well, I say my man, I guess he's technically his wife's man, but and, and also that my man is technically the husband that I'm currently cheating on, but you get my point. <laughs> back the f*** off, bitch! And... If this, if this is already starting to sound like plot points to a daytime soap opera, then you haven't seen anything yet. In fact, it might be easiest to absorb the tawdry events of this week in that format. The story so far. David Petraeus, the general, married father of two, director of the CIA and retired four-star general, resigned last Friday afternoon after it emerged that he had stooped his biographer, Paula Broadwell. The other lady, <laughs> married mother of two and West Point graduate, Paula wrote in an in-depth biography of Petraeus, the first draft of which was apparently a 240-page detailed description of the diameter of his penis. <laughs> after considerable <laughs> publisher's notes, it was later changed to a 240-page history of his military service instead. <laughs> Their secret stooping was concealed by a covert system of saving draft emails and saving them in a joint email account, which was only uncovered when Paula started sending threatening emails to... To Jill Kelly, <laughs> the other other lady, married, mother of three, Tampa resident, socialite, unpaid military social liaison, party planner, and hot tamale. <laughs> when she received Paula's threatening email, she contacted Fred Humphreys, <laughs> the FBI agent who launched an FBI investigation, which he was quickly removed from when it emerged that he'd emailed shirtless photos of himself to Jill Kelly, the other other lady, who it emerged during the investigation was exchanging thousands of flirtatious emails with General John Allen, the other, other, other man, four-star general and top US commander in Afghanistan, a position that he took over from David Petraeus, the general. <laughs> and, so, and so, Andy, this whole sordid, although not actually that physically sordid story, comes full circle. Well, I guess it just proves the old age-old rule, John uh... Oldest time itself, which says if you are one of the highest ranking officials in the world's current number one ranked superpower and one of the most respected former soldiers in the world's biggest military nation, do not, if you can possibly help it, put your penis into the wrong person. Mm-hmm. If there's just any way that can be avoided, do try to avoid it. And I know, it, I mean, it seems odd, John, but it can does seem that it's more difficult to control one penis than an army of 200,000 people, many of whom, right. ironically, <laughs> also have penises. But yes. Um, yeah. But it's I mean, just maybe it's worth writing. Maybe it's worth writing that on, you know, on his hand, so he can read, or uh, or definitely on his penis, just so that if he ever gets down there, look down at his penis. Ah, oh, ah, oh, ah! Oh, you know what? Ah, this was the one thing I was not supposed to do. Maybe you can to go with your wristbands, your CTSD yes. wristbands. You can <laughs> have a, a special great idea. penis band. <laughs> That's a great idea. What WWA? FSGD. What would a four-star general do? <laughs> That's right. 
And when you sw- when you when you become a figurehead in an army, you should be given just as you're given your fourth star. You should also be given that penis band. <laughs> there are penis bands out there on the market, but I think they're there that, to mate. actively <laughs> encourage sex really? rather than. Well, Prince Albert, yeah. of course, famously had a, a wang mm-hmm. ring, didn't he? he and, did. and, and that was the original penis band. That was said, "You are now yes. married to the Queen of England. Yeah. Yeah, Don't put this in anyone else." Yep. That's right. <laughs> that's right. She of insisted course, on that. Yeah. I mean, the errant wang, prong drabbling, a contraband pluke has, of course, been responsible for scandals and resignations <laughs> since yes. the dawn of time, or at least since 2500 BC, when 4th Dynasty pharaoh Shepseskaf was caught in flagrante with a woman called Dawn from the ancient Sumerian <laughs> city of Time. He elected <laughs> not to be buried in a pyramid. Instead, he was buried in a mastaba tomb called the Mastabet el-Afaroun, which his what? name... This is, this is the fact... Hold on, because it doesn't sound like a fact, no, Danny. Nothing it is you just a fact. said sounds like a fact. Yeah, it is a fact. He was buried in a tomb called a, a Mastabet, whose name does suggest that he learnt his lesson and steered clear of sexual temptation. <laughs> in all... God, this got blue fast. I guess it's not surprising. In all, uh, in all this mess, there's actually only one confirmed affair, but it's been enough to plunge the military and the FBI into chaos all week with... Rumours flying around, ranging from Paula Broadwell had access to classified documents to the entire Pentagon is a bacchanalian f*** fest. <laughs> um, Petraeus resigned almost immediately, why did, bringing... Why did Mitt Romney not say that during the campaign? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it couldn't have gone worse for him. Uh, Petraeus, he lost almost all the swing states. You know? <laughs> well, he may as well have thrown one out there. Uh, Petraeus Ryan resigned almost straight away, bringing his long career of public service to a sadly grubby end. And there are lots of questions that still remain, such as one, what the f*** was he thinking? <laughs> Two, did he expose the US to blackmail or jeopardise any national secrets? Three, how does the director of the CIA get caught by email? And four, seriously, what the f*** was he thinking? <laughs> as for uh, General Allen... That is still under investigation, and there's no evidence so far of any actual physical affair. Um, that would be a problem if there was, because under Article 134 of the United Joint Military Code, any adultery could get him jailed for a year, as that article forbids, and I quote, adulterous conduct that has a tendency, because of its open or notorious nature, to bring the service into disrepute, make it subject to public ridicule, or lower it in the public esteem. Andy, <laughs> when you put it like that... Oh, it just sounds so sexy. <laughs> I'm going to come over to your apartment and I'm going to expose the military to public ridicule and lower it in the public esteem. And I'm going to do it all night long. <laughs> Damn. There must have been some quite awkward talk between uh, General Petraeus and his uh, his biographer. Um, are you definitely not writing volume two? Do you, do you absolutely promise... <laughs> Okay, away you go. <laughs> Although also, I'm a bit disappointed because he resigned basically before the witch hunt had even got going. I mean, that is not yes. how you're supposed to let a scandal play out. And this could have right. run and run for a couple of months before he was finally hounded out of office in disgrace. I think this is a, a disgraceful case of jumping the gun before the media has had their fill. Uh, now, let, just to reiterate, there is no evidence of a physical affair so far between General Allen and Jill Kelly. Uh, but the FBI apparently found between 20,000 and 30,000 pages of flirtatious emails between the two of them in the past year alone that they are currently going through, which also raises a lot of questions, such as one, what the f*** was he thinking? <laughs> two, how the f*** 
did he have the time to send 30,000 flirtatious emails in a year when he was overseeing the war in Afghanistan? Three, how the f*** does anyone have the time to send 30,000 flirtatious emails in a year, even when they're not overseeing a war? Four, how does anyone send 30,000 flirtatious emails in a lifetime? How is it possible there are 30,000 different flirtatious things to say? And five, seriously, what the f*** was he thinking? (laughs) For, For all the attention and upheaval this is caused. It is actually a pretty low-grade and unimpressive scandal, as scandals go. Uh, Some of my favourite reactions came from people in Pakistan uh, who were interviewed on the streets of Karachi by the Global Post over the last week, and many of the people spoken to were surprised by the level of honour showed by Petraeus in resigning. Um, Or, you know, the fact that they're so surprised by the level of honour of a man who cheated on his wife and used email tricks to try and cover his tracks, that perhaps that shows more about the morality levels of Pakistani politicians than it does anything else. (laughs) But um, one vendor said, maybe he was just a man who fell in love. I'd like to see a photograph of his lady. (laughs) I don't know quite how that would have cleared things up in his mind, Andy, but he seemed pretty sure that it would help. Um, (laughs) Lots of the reaction, though, was understandably around one particular thing. Faiz Mumtaz said, we're hopeful that this means less drones. Now, again, I don't know how Petraeus cheating on his wife might lead to less drone strikes, but I guess in their position, the Pakistanis, that's pretty much what you're hoping for whenever anything happens. (laughs) Oh, Drew Brees has just thrown a touchdown pass in a record 50-second consecutive game. I hope this means less drones. (laughs) Oh, Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez have broken up. I hope this means less drones. Oh, President Obama is going to ceremonially pardon some Thanksgiving turkeys next week in the White House. I hope this means less f***ing drones. <laughs> Though, you know, that might be a bit of a stretch. I guess, I guess the problem is when you give up hope, you just become numbers on a drone dartboard. <laughs> because just to put those statements in context, in the last four years... Alone, Obama has authorised nearly 300 drone strikes in Pakistan, a country that the US is not technically at war with. That's pretty impressive droning. <laughs> but it's going to be tough for uh, Petraeus, John. Uh, he's got to hand in all the perks of uh, being CIA director, the salary mm-hmm. of upwards of $5,000 a year, the Bond-style mm-hmm. car that pr- can project rotating blades from its wheels and fire a plume right. of flames from its windscreen wipers. The personal CIA director's collection of professional rebels that he was entitled to send in to destabilise one government a year of his choice. And, of course, his CIA chair with the words Bertie Big Nuts stitched across the back. It's, <laughs> it's all about the perks. Yeah, it's, it's never about the salary, that yeah. job. It's all about the perks. It, is, it goes right back to Hoover. <laughs> it really is extraordinary. A man who's won so many military medals could lapse... In judgment, yes. so much. So he's won more. He's won more military medals than most people have watched war films. <laughs> Although one of his medals was for getting through Saving Private Ryan without saying, "Well, that really tailed off, didn't it?" <laughs> Four-star general as well. That's a pretty good review, John. I mean, I would buy a ticket to see him do some war just on the back of that. Be guaranteed to get good quality warfare. Maybe not the brilliance and originality of a five-star general, but certainly much better than a humdrum, predictable three-star general. I mean, of course, you might go pay to go and see a one-star general just to see what makes them so bad or a bit of a laugh just to see some really shit war. But to be honest, that's your own money you're wasting. <laughs> Even the Taliban have had a response to the Petraeus affair because when it was mentioned to a uh, quoted stony-faced Taliban official during an interview <laughs> with the AFP this week... Is there any week, need to put those yes, words in? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, not the lightest personality... <laughs> Uh, when it was mentioned to him uh, uh, during an interview, he, and I quote, 
literally laughed out loud. <laughs> uh, before going on to point out the differences in the response to the scandal that they would have had. Uh, this uh, Taliban official said, from a Pashtun point of view, Petraeus should be shot by relatives from his mistress's family. From a Sharia point of view, he should be stoned to death. All of that, Andy, is apparently some material from his Pashtuns versus Sharia comedy album. <laughs> Pashtuns killed adulterers like this. Piao, piao, piao! Whereas Sharias killed adulterers like this. Pass me that jagged one. I'm here all week. Do not tip your waitresses. They should not be here. <laughs> and even, and yeah, even the Taliban official, Andy, even he did not think this particular scandal was a big deal, saying, and again, I quote, it's quite normal for Americans and Western people to behave like this. They live in free sex societies where no one cares about this sort of thing. So what do you expect? That's, that's the problem, Andy. All of this, relatively speaking, is pretty tame. And when you're an empire, when you're leading the world, your scandals are frankly supposed to be better than this. <laughs> Caligula turned his palace into a brothel had sex with his sisters, appointed his horse to be a priest, and once, when presiding over some games, he ordered his guards to throw an entire section of the crowd into the arena during the interval because there were no criminals to be prosecuted and he was bored. <laughs> Even now, there are other countries putting the US to shame with scandals. In the UK in 1994, MP Stephen Milligan was found dead, partly naked, partly cross-dressed, mid-autoerotic asphyxi asphyxiation, with an elect electric cord around his neck and an orange in his mouth. That is a f***ing scandal, Andy. All Petraeus did was stop someone who wasn't Mrs Petraeus. America's lost its edge, John. It's so sad. And now, a quick David Petraeus quiz. Question one of one. David Petraeus is known as Peaches Petraeus. Why was he so called? A, if you don't know the answer, you've clearly never seen him coming out of the shower. B, because he's soft and squidgy on the outside with smooth downy skin but has a tough, indigestible core. Uh, C, because he lasts longer but becomes less tasty if he's kept in the fridge. Uh, D, because he's obsessed with Peaches Geldof and has a tattoo of the celebrity daughter on his left buttock. Or E, because when he was a child, other children found the word Petraeus too difficult to say. Very much like baseball commentators finding Pujols too difficult to say and saying Pujols instead. <laughs> Do write your answers on your own hands and then refer to the internet. UK resignation news now. Uh, and in the UK this week, uh, the Jimmy Savile scandal has raged on and has indirectly led to the resignation in disgrace of Director General George Entwistle after just 54 torrid days on the job. And uh, for those of you who haven't been following this story or don't know who Jimmy Savile is, congratulations. Um, but your innocence is now going to be destroyed, which is something it turns out Jimmy Savile was particularly good at. Uh, it turns out that he was a serial child molester with over 300 people now coming forward and saying they were abused by him. Uh, Jimmy Savile was an iconic figure for the BBC for over half a century, famously presenting the popular primetime show Jim Will Fix It, where children would write to him and he would grant their wishes. Essentially, he was a sexually abusive Santa Claus. Uh, Sir Jimmy Savile, um, because yes, Sir Jimmy Savile, he was knighted, and not just by the Queen, <laughs> but also by the Pope, who awarded him a papal knighthood. Strange, Andy, that the Catholic Church could not spot a predatory sex offender even when he was right in front of them. It's just not, not like them, is yeah, it? Sometimes when these things are too close, you don't see them. 
Yeah. Anyway, he died last year, and a BBC investigative programme was pulled off air at the last minute before Christmas, and a tribute to Jimmy Savile was run in its place instead. In the wake of that poor decision, the BBC then ran an investigation into events at a children's home in Wales in the 1980s, and in it, a former senior Conservative politician was wrongly accused of child abuse. And this, what was already a qualified clusterfuffle, Andy, <laughs> became what the Australians would call a real f***aroo. <laughs> yeah, the BBC has been engulfed by this veritable controversial shitstorm ever since it emerged. <laughs> that Savile, as you say, one of their star presenters for decades, had yeah. got away with being a nuclear-grade sex offender under the clever disguise of dressing like such an obvious pervert that everyone assumed <laughs> it was an act. Yeah. Apart from the people who knew it wasn't but kept stum, and the victims whose allegations were brushed off, ignored or kept secret for years due to them not feeling able to report their hideous crimes, a state of affairs which has to be considered a catastrophic and spectacular social own, social own goal by Britain as a nation that is slightly getting forgotten about amidst all the furore over the BBC. But all in all, mm-hmm. it's about as unsavoury as news and humanity can possibly get. So... What better time, John, for Entwistle to take over as Director General of the BBC <laughs> than a couple of months ago when this was all about to kick off? Entwistle undoubtedly inherited this job at a tricky time, like a golfer, John, in a pairs competition whose partner has shanked it off the tee and left the ball in a muddy puddle in the trees 50 yards off the fairway. Tough lie, tough recovery shot needed, and Entwistle assessed the situation. He tested the wind, he plotted his course towards the green, he picked his club, took a couple of gentle practice swings, and then smashed the ball as hard as possible, 180 <laughs> degrees the wrong way, sending the ball via an old man's head through a priceless church window before ricocheting into the lion enclosure in an adjacent zoo, whilst in his follow-through, smashing himself in the nuts. Tough shot, badly played, John. Very badly played. Because he resigned after one of the most awkward interviews in the history of human communication. <laughs> At least since Jesus... And God had the, you're going to do what to me, Dad, conversation, uh, in which Entwistle uh, revealed that he'd not been aware that Newsnight was about to broadcast these allegations against Lord McAlpine, uh, then that he hadn't actually seen it because he'd been out, then that he hadn't read the media coverage of the foray because he'd been busy doing a speech, also that he wasn't really concentrating during the interview anyway because he was thinking about football, that he didn't watch much telly because he preferred playing World of Warcraft, and that he hadn't seen the news since 2004 because he found it a bit boring and instead guessed the news by looking at people's faces on public transport. Now, not all of that is true, but the fact that any of it is true is basically why he had to quit. <laughs> and also, the I think the BBC could easily have... I mean, clearly it's a terrible thing to do. <laughs> I don't think I'm going out on a limb here when I say that it yeah. is bad to falsely accuse people of being sex offenders. I mean, I think I think we're probably all on the same page here. Chris, yeah, it's Chris a, nodding it's his a, head here. Let me just, I, I, yes, yeah. I, I concur, Andy. But they could just... It's a have, social don't. Yeah. Well, they could just it, have, can really, it can really bring a party to its knees if you do that. <laughs> Conversationally, it's poor form. They could merely have balanced this out, John by telling some more lies about him that showed him in a really good light instead. (laughs) That he was five-time European bicycle dress-ass champion, held the world pole vault record for 15 years, and wrote the libretto and score of Exile on Main Street for the Rolling Stones. Balance these things out, John. It doesn't all have to be negative. 
The man falsely accused in the programme said it was terrifying to find himself a figure of public hatred overnight, uh, arguing in an interview with the BBC that he should have been contacted before broadcast, which makes you think, wait, hold on, he wasn't contacted. I think it's basic human politeness to tell someone that you're about to out them as a child sex offender. I uh, just wanted to let you know that I'm going to be labelling you with the worst thing any human being could have attached uh, to their name tomorrow during a programme. I was wondering if you had any comment on that. <laughs> Apparently he was on uh, South- he was in southern Italy at the time, I'm, I guess on holiday, and said, I don't have television, I don't get newspapers, we don't have the internet. To suddenly find out I was mixed up in all this and, that, uh, and I didn't know what Newsnight was going to say, it really was a horrendous shock. And that must have been a tough moment, Andy, to turn your email back on and see, you have hate mail. 30,000 messages with the subject line, I am going to kill you. Another offshoot of this uh, whole sordid story uh, happened on uh, ITV television um, when uh, Philip Schofield, who presents a daytime show of absolutely no discernible point, um, had... <laughs> <laughs> That's... <laughs> that is a... <laughs> That's a bad review. Bad well, review. It's, a sci- I mean, you- it's a scientific fact, John. <laughs> you could say you could say that about that's such a great review for any number of TV shows. A program of no discernible point. Um, he had the prime minister on the show, and the prime minister was on the show for absolutely no discernible point. Yeah, and Philip Schofield handed David Cameron a, a list of prominent people who had been implicated online in this paedophilia scandal in one of the most irresponsible pieces <laughs> of TV presenting in the history of the universe. And Cameron, to his eternal credit, resisted the temptation to reply by saying, for f**k's sake, you imbecile, this is A, deeply responsibility, B, cynically opportunist, and C, morally reprehensible. Now f- off back to children's television where you belong. Actually, on second thoughts, that might be an error. Um <laughs> But disappointingly, he also missed the chance to receive this bit of paper, look at it for a couple of seconds and say, Philip Schofield? (laughs) (laughs) You should have read this before you gave it to me. Breaking resignation news, and God has resigned from his post as managing director of the Middle East. The 13-billion-year-old professional deity cited personal reasons for stepping down and also a desire to pursue other career goals and new planets. It is thought the self-proclaimed almighty ruler of all has become increasingly frustrated at the continued squabbling in the region where he first built his personal profile and follower base several thousand years ago. In an emotional press conference attended by the world's media and gospel writers, God, a single white male of all fixed abodes, expressed regret that he'd been unable to persuade his followers to work with a common purpose to the overall benefit of the religion as a whole. With hindsight, he said, I've made a significant strategic misstep when I split the franchise in two, then three main sub-franchises, who have become increasingly competitive both with each other and internally with themselves, as they have in turn split into sub-franchises which seem insistent on working at cross-purposes. Very cross most of the time. On the cross, sometimes. It's been a catalogue of hostile takeover bids that makes 21st century big business look like a cake stall at a village fate. As a result, the entire business has eaten into its own profitability and credibility and overall, as MD, the buck stops with me. God's stint in charge of the region has not been without controversy itself. His extramarital affair with Mary H. Christ just over 2,000 years ago caused considerable ructions in the area, whose repercussions continue to repercuss to this day. He's also been accused of complacency in his refusal to communicate with his followers directly for about 2,000 years, as well as of excessive vengefulness and contravening human rights legislation with his obsession with plagues of stuff. It is not yet clear what God will do in the short term, 
although he is rumoured to be in talks with various publishers over the long-awaited third instalment of his hit Bible trilogy, which was left tantalisingly unfinished after a disappointing part two, which frankly stretched credibility even more than the already outlandish part one. Guys living to 960 years old, magicians turning a few fish fingersarnies into a meal for 5,000. Not exactly earnest f***ing Hemingway, is it? Here endeth the lesson. Divided State of America news now. And uh, last week, Andy, I pointed out that every single US election ends with just under 50% of the population absolutely devastated. And that has proven to be even more true uh, this week, as apparently more than 100,000 Americans have petitioned the White House to ask that their states be allowed to secede from the Union after the re-election of Barack Obama. Wow, and that's not just sour grapes. Those grapes are so sour, they are a functioning vinegar at this point. <laughs> uh, the appeals were filed on the White House's We Are We The People website, which guarantees any petition an official White House response as long as they can gather 25,000 signatures. And giving the American people a website like that, Andy, is like giving a child a tambourine. <laughs> they can't be trusted with it, and they're going to make an ungodly noise. And now... 100,000 signatures may sound like a lot um, protesting the president, until you remember that just last week, the US had 60 million people vote in favour of him. So that (laughs) should take the sting off it a little bit. Uh, A lot of people have uh, got very, very angry about this, uh, John, Mm -hmm. Um, uh, including uh, a pregnant wife who ran over her husband for not voting for mm-hmm. Romney. She said she was uh, so angry uh, at the prospect of Obama staying in office and her husband not bothering to vote for Romney that she ran him over with a car. <laughs> now, I love democracy big time, John. I really, yep. really love it. Uh, but I try not to not to let it intrude on my marriage too much. <laughs> and besides, you know, that is, that is well, the first thing you learn when you're learning to drive a car is do not run people over in a fury about their politics. Also, also, I don't know the couple involved personally, Andy. Let me say that straight away. But I have to believe that that might be displacement frustration (laughs) for other issues in that relationship. I don't believe that was a healthy marriage up to the point (laughs) that he did not vote for Romney. Uh, And a Florida man uh, committed suicide after the election and left a note on his body saying, do not revive Obama, which, well, what a way to peg out that is. I, mean, I think that is taking it too hard, John. Mm-hmm. Well, most of the uh, 20 states uh, with petitions uh, for secession voted for Republican Mitt Romney, I guess, unsurprisingly. Uh, and the Texas petition uh, has already reached the 25,000 signature mark, at which point the White House promises a response. And it must be very tempting indeed for them to <laughs> respond, all right, off then. <laughs> well, that is the kind of temptation I would definitely not be able to resist. And I guess that's one of the many reasons that I am not in politics. <laughs> in response to some of this madness, other people in Texas have tried to go a different way. Because while Texas is petitioning to secede from the Union, Austin, Texas is petitioning to secede from Texas itself. <laughs> Their official petition states, we petition the Obama administration to peacefully grant the city of Austin, Texas, to withdraw from the state of Texas and remain part of the United States. I'm not even sure that the rest of Texas would even put up much of a fight over that either. And the petition goes on to say, 
Austin, Texas continues to suffer difficulties stemming from the lack of civil, religious and political freedoms imposed upon the city by less liberally minded Texans. It is entirely feasible for Austin to operate as its own state within the United States in the event that Texas is successful in the current bid to secede. <laughs> it's important for Austin to remain in the Union, as to do so would protect its citizens' standard of living and re-secure their rights and liberties in accordance with the original ideas and beliefs of our founding fathers. We would also like to annex Dublin, Texas, Lockhart, Texas, and China, Texas. <laughs> Going on to say, seriously, you people have no f***ing idea what it's like living down here. We need help fast. Well, they could do just uh, you know, Texas for Puerto Rico on a kind of one-out, one-in basis, couldn't they? <laughs> for, for some people, the reason to want to secede comes from a very personal frustration. The petition for Alabama, Alabama secession uh, was uh, started by a man called Derek Belcher. And believe me, you do not need to see him to know that his name fits his face. <laughs> his, uh, his petition has, has also already crossed the 25,000 signature mark. Uh, he is furious and blames the federal government for shutting down his former business, which is apparently a topless car wash. And that is not a car wash specialising in top-down convertibles, Andy. It's a car wash specialising in top-down ladies. <laughs> it was apparently a successful business in Mobile, Alabama, until he was arrested and charged with obscenity in 2001. He said, The government ripped my business away, and now they're choking America to death with rules and regulations. I guess there's a couple of things that Senior Belcher is getting a little confused about in his anger, Andy. One, that uh, Obama was not president in 2001, and two, that all those cars that came to be washed by his whapped-out women all drove there on government-funded roads. <laughs> but you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it there, Andy, because, and I cannot stress this enough, I have no desire to get into an argument with a topless car wash owner called Derek Belcher. <laughs> Again. Again. Your emails now, and, well, a few of you have emailed in expressing, um, well, I mean, a mixture of concern, disgust and admiration about the uh, presidential pun run that uh, closed last week's show. Um, I've repressed that memory, Andy, so I don't know what they're referring uh, to. Carl Archer described it as a presidential pun run of biblical proportions. I say biblical proportions because after I listened to it, I felt as if I was being crucified. <laughs> Nailed in place without the ability to use my hands and suffering for the sins of all mankind. <laughs> that is, wow, nicely put. <laughs> so that sounds like a challenge. Um, but I'm, I'm going to try and stay clean for the rest of the year, though. It's going to be tough. I'm going to need your help, John. I'm going to try and stay clean. Um, and this email came in from Michaeli or Michelle. That could be either, couldn't it? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Let's go I with. I think it's probably Michelle. Let's go with Michelle. Uh, dear Andy, John, and Chris, I would like to nominate the newly elected governor of Sicily, Rosario Croquetta, for your Big Brass Balls Award. Governor Croquetta is both openly gay and openly anti mafia, and that is, frankly, a social Molotov cocktail. At least three attempts have been made on his life. According to Reuters, Croquetta said he planned a raft of anti-mob measures as well as boosting gay and other civil rights. He was Italy's first openly gay mayor, seeing no conflict with his strong beliefs as a gospel-quoting Roman Catholic. It's my fervent hope that Signore Croquetta has a long and successful career and dies of natural causes. In other words, during sex, which is a natural cause for Italian politicians. Yes, that's right. It's <laughs> a way to go. 102, and he's carried to his grave by a cadre of hot, oiled-up Italian men wearing Speedos. Yes. Van Michel Mantinen. And, uh, that, that is outstanding. Yeah, Andy. I mean, that's... That is, what a mare. 
Good for him. Yeah, I mean, if you're openly gay and openly anti-mafia, if you have any sense of self-preservation, the last thing you do is try to become governor of Sicily. So you can only <laughs> admire yeah. his big, big brass, brass balls. Competition time now. Well, Buglers, uh, some time ago, about a year ago, in fact, we promised you some Bugle merchandise. Uh, we've mm-hmm. been promising you that intermittently ever since. And to be honest... We've been a bit disorganised about it, and uh, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, we've been sort of piddling around trying to finalise a logo for longer than is, with hindsight, credible. Um, so we're now going to open this out to you, the listeners. Uh, what we're looking for for our logos, basically the the font and the letters that you can see on the website or on the, uh, the little image with the Bugle Twitter feed, uh, and either side of those letters... Uh, we want images or caricatures of me and John, specifically mine and John's faces, to go uh, either side of that. Um, so this is for our actual logo. So please bear that in mind. This is not like the coat of arms competition. We do not want defecating bulls or penis and testicle combos. <laughs> N- not this time, unless you, yeah. can't, unless you genuinely can't think of anything else. We want something that we can actually use. Uh, terms and conditions will be posted uh, on the, uh, the Bugle website, uh, the Bugle podcast Com. You can find it there, plus details of the uh, what prize you'll get for it, which we haven't fully finalised, but there will be some uh, some reward of some kind for doing that. The, uh, we're going to set the closing date um, at the 7th, or the 6th of December. Thursday, the 6th of December. And uh, please send any entries to buglelogo at gmail.com. That is buglelogo, one word, at gmail.com. Dot com and we promise as soon as this is finalised, the long-awaited yeah. Bugle merch, this ruthlessly commercial operation that we've become, <laughs> will be heading your way. Honestly. Sport now, and Frankel, the recently retired unbeaten superhorse, has turned down offers to become a Hollywood star, test himself by running in NASCAR, open a boutique or play the romantic lead in an extremely controversial pantomime, and has instead opted to become a prostitute. Uh, Frankel, who won all 14 of his races, is to become an equine gigolo, servicing lady horses for the princely sum of £125,000 a hump. His owner and horse pimp, <laughs> Prince Khalid Abdullah, is expected to whore out Frankel's naglove to 100 horse honeys a year, earning the celebrity quadruped £12 million annually. That's £6 million annually per horse bollock. The prince mm-hmm. described Frankel as, quote, a sensitive lover, if you're a horse with a terrific butt, and a real horsewife's favourite, who will do anything apart from kiss on the lips, and is, and I quote, hung like a horse. Frankel himself was unavailable for comments, although he was overheard saying, I'm not a f***ing piece of meat, although that was whilst galloping drunkenly past a French bistro in London's glamorous Soho district, <laughs> after being seen staggering out of China White's nightclub with fellow celebrity, the actress and humanitarian Kristen Stewart. As well as, as well as costing 125 grand for a straight one-hour rut, Frankel is also available for a cut price 200 grand for a three-way, but refuses to sell himself for any S&M activities. He neighed, I've had enough of my ass being whipped. That's all the sport. Uh, quick forecasts. Uh, we've got a week off next week uh, for you to get busy with your uh, Bugle logo uh, entries. Uh, also Thanksgiving. For Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. In America. John, what are you going to give thanks for this year? Apart from the election being over. <laughs> That, mainly that, Andy, because, you know, I really, I, I'm deeply thankful for it being over. I can't yeah. overstress that. I don't know if that came across last week. Um, <laughs> I'm really, truly thankful that this election is over. So that that's mainly it. Uh, I'm also going off to India, uh, firstly, to try and cure my Forster syndrome. Um, 
and also to watch some cricket and to do some gigs. Uh, I'm going to be in Mumbai at the Bonobo next Thursday the 22nd and the following uh, Wednesday the 28th at the Hotel Bauer Continental in the Juhu district of Mumbai, plus a charity gig in the 27th. Uh, and hopefully a show or two in Calcutta in early December. Details will be posted on the at Hello Buglers and at Zoltz Cricket Twitter feed. So if you if you are in India, Buglers, do come along. <laughs> if you happen to be passing through India. Yeah, or if you happen to be living in India, which I guess is right. more likely. We have some, in- we have yeah. some Indian Buglers. We, do have yeah. some, we have, definitely have some Indian Buglers. So um, we'll yeah. be back in uh, two weeks' time. We're going to have a fill-in show next week. Chris, I think you've got something pretty exciting planned, haven't you? It's going to be amazing. Right. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. all I'm telling you. Okay, you haven't told us much about it. I'm getting slightly concerned. It's all right. <laughs> I, I won't do any damage to your uh, reputation that isn't already out there. <laughs> wow, that was qualified at the end. <laughs> and then, then the next couple of weeks, uh, Andy is going to be bugling from India. Yeah, yeah. So I'll be probably Bombay and then uh, then Calcutta for the for those two bugles. Another... That's going to be a big, again, three three time zones. Chris will be in London. John will be yep. uh, in the States. I'll be in India. Thank, thank you, Alexander Graham Bell, for inventing uh, the concept of communication. <laughs> and uh, don't forget, send your emails to info at thebuglepodcast.com and your logo entries. Yes. Uh, basically, images of Please. my face and John's face to go either Good luck side with that. of to- I mean, that paper over those cracks. Yeah, good luck with <laughs> that. Rembrandt. Too easy, easily caricatured. <laughs> Picasso your way out of that one. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth, Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.